The podcast that you're about to hear contains acts of sex and violence. The hosts do not claim to be experts on the subjects that they present. Listener discretion is advised. All right, boys and girls, welcome back to Brutal Nation. I'm your host, Scott Alexander, right across from me is the one, the only, the Sasquatch herself, Tammy, the underdog, Underwood, say girl, Tam. Hi, everybody. Oh, my God, that was so unenthusiastic. Un- <laughs> I told I'm you just, I'm tired today. It doesn't matter. I'm, I'm so disappointed. That's it. I just, I, I well, because first I'm the Sasquatch, then I'm the underdog. You know, I, I'm confused. Well, that's pretty easy to confuse you. It's not not difficult. True. So, I want to start this one here off with the Jesperson report. Well, we haven't even talked to people about the fact that we were we've been working on this one. Okay, so let's let's throw this out there. So, this is how this all started. And it started with Tammy contacting uh the uh, the happy face killer. Yeah, because I wanted to do him. I wanted to feature him in episode two hundred, like I did Barone in episode one hundred. Right, and for those of you that don't know who the happy face killer is, he actually killed here in the Pacific Northwest where we live, um, as well as uh, he's uh, the Midwest, the Midwest, and uh, then he had one victim that I think she was hitchhiking from Florida or some shit. I can't I remember. I just I, I just can't remember. Anywho's. It started off with her contacting him, and originally she was going to go in and uh, and make contact, like face-to-face contact, but she had a medical problem. Yep. And she was in the hospital for a little while. So, I took over, and yesterday I met Keith Jesperson face-to-face, had an interview with him, which was pretty good, which we're going to be uh, putting on the blog, and we're actually saving a lot of this for ongoing episodes because i'm going to be visiting with him uh, about once a month for probably the next year and uh i just wrote him because we're still writing while visiting uh to make sure it's okay for tam tam to come with me next time after she gets approved uh to the prison it was you know what honestly it was was a good conversation well yeah i mean i think he's got a new name though he's not the happy face killer anymore he's the giant <laughs> that man is ginormous and i don't mean like he's fat no not at all this man is built like a brick wall he stands six foot eight and yep. when he stands up like it's not so bad when he's sitting down but as soon as he stood up holy cow i just kept looking up and up well yeah and up and up well like and I said, up <laughs> yeah well like i said yesterday he's as tall as my son is but he looks to be twice as big. And my son used to be a pretty hefty, you know, dude. The only way to describe Jesperson in person is take two linebackers and, and stack them and put them right next to each other. That's the like the width of his shoulders. Yeah, he's he's pretty, pretty big. Yeah, he's a big. But you know what? Honestly, he, it was a great conversation. He's a nice dude. Oh, yeah, and honest as all hell. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I really, really enjoyed our conversation. And what I thought was really cool was um, I uh, <clears throat> I had said, hey, you know, and if you want me, I, I told him, because I, 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 lay, I laid it all out from like I do every serial killer that I talk to, mm-hmm. which is that, number one, I'm not going to say anything that you don't want me to say on the on air or in the blogs, and, and yada, yada. And I finished up with, hey, man, if you want me to come back sooner, you let me know. And he actually said, man, you can come back and visit me anytime. Because he enjoyed the conversation, too. Of course he did. And I noticed with his last letter, especially, um, it wasn't as rushed. Yeah. Because his first couple of letters were rushed. But this one here was actually a lot clearer. 
So, and it was 10 pages. I know. Well, Good the times. first letter he sent me was 10 pages. Yeah, this because is... Because we were talking about... Um, the, I mean, the whole reason why I wrote to him is because when I was in jail, I was in there with the woman who was accused of killing his first victim. Oh, yeah, yeah. And I wanted to know more about that. It's like, okay, well, what prompted you to confess to that and, you know, to get her sentence overturned? And he was, like, quick to say, um, her sentence wasn't overturned. They just granted her a new trial. So, you know, because, like I said, I was I was in there with her, and I had heard a totally different story from her than what I heard from him when he wrote me. <laughs> and so, you know, it's just like, okay... I think that we should actually turn this episode here into from what we were going to do to the uh, just we can report. because I mean that could take all episode because yeah he, that's probably a there's better idea. a lot to do so, with his story. Here's actually what I found out from Keith, and this was I found this uh, fascinating is that Laverne, uh, I can't remember what Pavlinak Pavlinak uh, Savsnowski. Yeah, I can't that's remember right. her first name, <laughs> but, but she had a history of calling. Her boyfriend's parole officer, P.O. Yes, because he was abusive to her. Well, and like over anything, like yeah. if he if he drank too much or if he if he stepped out of line, she was always on the phone. So she had this history that they knew of. Yep. Of her making these false allegations. Yep. And what Keith brought up that I thought was really interesting was so Laverne said that he drove out and got the victim right. Mm-hmm. Well, did you know that he was blind? Legally blind, he's not yeah. driving anywhere. Well, he's not driving anywhere, and and they they still convicted him. Like they, they the law enforcement couldn't look through that bullshit and go, "Hey, well, how's he driving anywhere if he's blind?" Okay, because well, that's how. Well, first it started. I mean, how it originally started was she called the police because he was in jail at the time when she called the authorities. Right, right, right. And she didn't want him to come back when he got out. So she called the authorities and said he was at this bar with another guy and met Tanya, which the first victim's name is Tanya Bennett. Right, right, right. You know, because I don't want to f- lose her in all of this. Oh, no, true, true. Yeah, we, you know, we, I mean, she, she definitely deserves yeah, an honorable mention. Exactly. So she called the police and said that Sovsnowski, and I wish I could remember his first name, but right now it's just eluding me because I'm so tired. But she called them and said he had, she had, he had met Tanya at the bar with another guy, and the other guy drove them somewhere. That's what I had heard. See, and I had heard something different. I had heard that she had said that because that that, that I'm sorry that, that, that she had said that Sovsnowski I can't Sovsnowski had driven out and got the victim and yada yada herself. Yeah, see, and like I said, and then after it all boiled down to it and the uh, the cops were like, well, this isn't making any sense or whatever. She said, but I was there and I held the rope, which would make her the killer, right? Correct. That is okay, very well, correct. She just got accessory to the fact and he was and he ended up pleading no contest because he wanted to avoid the death penalty because they told him we're going to fry you. See, and that's, that's yeah. messed up, man. But when an innocent guy goes to prison over a nut yeah. job, and a nut job like Laverne, that, and, and granted she's dead, and it's not good to talk about the dead, but she was a nut job. I'm, that, well, I just call yeah, it spade Now that spade. I know more about the story, 
I mean, because I, like I said, I have her point of view too, you know, so I'm not discounting that. And I understand she was an abused woman and abused women will do drastic things to get out of an abusive relationship. Uh, yeah. Drastic things. But still, with the law enforcement right. and, the, and the parole office should have known. This woman's right. calling constantly. Three, right. they, they had three or four different occasions where she called and made up these elaborate Yes. Lies. Fabrications, yes. You know, it, it's just, it, it's asinine. The other thing, outside of Laverne and the Bennett case, it, for those of you that don't know, um, Keith... Jesperson has a total of eight victims. Yeah, eight known victims. That yeah, that that are known. However, and I, I kind of I, I got a couple of stories that I'm I just laugh at. Number one, he admitted to 166 murders. <laughs> yeah, because, and I think I read somewhere and one account that said 180, but. I, the most consistent one was the 160. Right, and that the, the 166 actually came right from Keith when I was talking to him yesterday. Right, um, and the reason for that is these other, because he was a truck driver. Yes, other law enforcement agencies from like Nevada and uh, and everywhere else were coming to him saying, "Well, you need to admit to this to this murder." Yeah, they were Henry Lee Lucasing him. Right, and uh, and he got sick and tired of it, and he straight out said, "Man, I I'm an accomplished liar." And I will lie to the media and law enforcement like you wouldn't believe because he goes, here's here's the thing, because I'm sick. So if I lie, they, they can't punish me. Right. They go, because he's sick. It's an illness. But if I tell the truth. Right. Well, that's a good thing. It shows improvement. Right. The, <laughs> he knows how to work the system, which I was impressed. Oh, yeah. But here's my coup de grace. I got to get a hit on my cigarette. But... So. Are you going to tell the twin story? I am. I, I love this. <laughs> I mean, and I'm sorry. I mean, granted, it's kind of like weird how it came about. But if you think about it, it's freaking hilarious. Because so, it's better than a Henry Lee Lucas one. So Tammy reads me this story from the cop shop in Seattle where there was a, a missing set of twins that they I think they'd found their bodies. And uh, and what have not. Well, prior to that, Keith Jesperson wrote a short story where it talks about, you know, I hit the and I want you to keep a, a close ear because I'm using this grammatically correct based on the story. So I'm not actually cussing. Um, I, I saw this bitch on the side of the road. And before I knew it, she stepped right out in front of my truck, and I hit this bitch. Right, and he describes her in detail about how she had legs up to her neck, basically, and she had a nice butt and all this stuff. Yeah, it goes into vivid detail what she looked like. Well, you guys will get a kick out of this story. So I didn't want any—I didn't want to cause any hassles, and I didn't, you know. And so I, I, I put her in my truck, and I pulled off at this field, and I went to bury her, and I heard a noise, mm-hmm. and there was another guy. And oh, I, he crouched down to hide. And uh, <laughs> and I noticed he was doing the same thing that I was. And so I took a look at his bitch. And, you know, so him and I got to talking. And uh, we know, hey, man, the, I think these two could be related. And he said, yeah, I think you killed my other bitch. Yeah. What he, what he actually wrote about wasn't two women. It was two dogs. Yeah. 
it so, was hilarious. I mean, it was so funny. So the cop shop up in, up in Seattle, a detective comes down and says, hey, you need to admit to these murders, which were Green River killer murders. Yeah. And he's all, what? He's all, yeah, you wrote all about this. Yeah. And he said, I wrote a story about two dogs. Yeah. You know, yeah, it's a, it's a little play on words, but. Yeah, it was it was just yeah, because I would like I said when I was reading the story, I was laughing, you know, because him and this guy went to the coffee shop and they were talking and he showed him the jewelry that he had picked off. Yeah, you know the necklace. Yeah, that was the it. necklace that he took off of his victim. <laughs> which I mean, when you boil down to it, a collar is a necklace. Hey, you man, know, my dog's necklace is pink. This is true because she's pretty. No, not so much. Well, she is. <laughs> But yeah, it was just like, you know, and then it's like, you know, it it's kind of s- sad, but funny at the same time. It's because he's already in jail. He's bored as fuck. Why not fuck with the police? Here was one of my favorites. So when they were talking about, I think it was Bennett's purse that he tossed off yes. into the bushes. So he leads the cops over. Uh, this is off of Vista Point in, in Oregon. Yes. And he goes, I tossed it over. Number one, they passed the spot where he told them. It was, like, four times. Yeah. They come back around. He goes, it's in this spot here, not past this big stump, this big dead stump. Because he wanted him to crawl through the berry bushes. It was actually 40 feet on the other side of that stump. <laughs> and he called He called a, a reporter and told him where it was. And then told the cops, well, he might find it before you guys do. I think he might be out there looking. So he sees the same uh, cops that were out there searching, scratched up. With berry bushes and things like that. For those of you that don't know, wild blackberries. Um, rampant here. Yeah, they're, they're rampant, and the thorns are brutal. I'm personally allergic to them. Oh, really? Blackberries? Not, no, I can eat the blackberries, but oh. if the thorns prick me, um, I break out in hives. Wow. Yeah, it's brutal. But um, he saw them all scratched up, and when they asked him why, he said, I just wanted to see you crawl through those bushes. Yeah. He's, I mean, like I said, he, he, he's, he's. He's a horse of another color. <laughs> but that is the I got little details that the media left out because when I was watching the actual documentary on him before meeting him, it had talked about them searching and they said day one we went out there, we searched and we couldn't find anything, but then the detectives But I but we thought we'd try it again. So we took a scout troop out there and we searched. That's not how it happened. Yeah. That's not how it happened. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And it's just Oh, hold on, and for the for, for our listeners, I'm not condoning what he did. Oh, not okay? at all, at all. I'm just saying that it was a, it, it was a, it was an awesome conversation. Yeah, well, and, and we've told him we don't condone what he did. Right, right, right. But the, the the whole goal with with Keith is getting his real story out. Yes, let's cut through all the BS from yes. I say media sources, but we're a media source. Right. You know, so, but we're a little bit different. Let's cut through the BS of other media sources that want to sit there and embellish and give you guys a BS story. Yeah, to sell their publications. Right. I want to give everybody the truth about Jesperson. Mm-hmm. You know, um, every, and I actually wrote this in the letter to him yesterday. It, the reason why I want to get to know him as an actual person. It's really easy to label him a monster mm-hmm. based on his crimes. Mm-hmm. You know, and you know what? Everybody does it. Everybody will look at somebody and goes... And, and and we'll say things like, "Oh, he sold drugs," and that's you know, and, and that's yeah. what we want to label him as. But behind every criminal is a person. This is true. 
you know, now they might be a, a, a bad person, mm-hmm. you know, inside, or they might be a good person. And they have a history that we don't know. And you know what else? I want to po- I want to point this out for our listeners. You know what it doesn't say in Keith Jesperson's history? That he was a bad father. That he beat his oh, kids. Yeah, totally. That he beat his wife. That he was a, a mm-hmm. maniac. And now, I want you guys to really think about this because I'm in that same category. My father was highly abusive. Yes. Beat the crap out of me every day. I have all the markers that should say I'm a serial killer. With the exception, I, I, I didn't torture animals or nothing. I, I hunt. Right. But I wouldn't never torture But you an wet the bed. I did not wet you the bed. You still do. You're such a dick. I swear. Do, hold on. We got a, We got one of our researchers in the studio today. Don't you laugh at that. I'll fire you just for laughing at that, okay? Over yeah. there, Chuckles McGee. What? Does the truth hurt? I don't pee the bed, you butthole. You quit laughing. You know why I say that? It's because you're constantly saying, I'll pee on you. I'll pee on you. I just don't pee the bed. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'm just waiting for you to sleep, man. I'm going to come out where you sleep and just pee on you. Mark. Yeah, yeah. I'm going to get so. rid of it anyway. It smells like my dog. Anywho. It does. Um, it, you know, it never said that he was. And it, that's impressive on its own only because. I know what I've been through as far as anger management problems mm-hmm. and things like that, and I've come a long way. Yeah. Um, not saying that I've beaten, you know, no. fucking family members and shit like that or, or girlfriends. But no, totally. All in all, he was a great dad. Right. You know? Yeah. I, I won't even go great. I'm just, the, just, just being the devil's advocate, he was at least a decent father. Yes. He and was, whenever he was in town after his divorce, he would spend time with his children. Right. Yeah. And you got to use better mic dynamics. Sorry, I was looking down because I, I was tell. I got into something over here. But you know, uh, he from all from everything that I could tell, not coming from him because we didn't talk about his kids or his divorce or anything like that. Yeah. Um, but from everything that I read so far, the reason why they got divorced was because he was always on the road, and she suspected he might be cheating on. Yes. Her. So, you know, while he's done bad, we need to acknowledge the good as well. True. I mean, because everybody, every news report where they have interviewed people from his past, they always make a point to say that he was a good father. He did, you know, care about his children. I'm looking at... I'm looking at. Thank you. Anyways, he did care about his children. He spent time with his children. You know, and he was actually, from what I've heard, he was a loving husband. And what gets me is is why his daughter, what's her name, Melissa? Yes. Has it in for him. Except for a couple, I mean, outside of the obvious. And I've, I've this is nothing that I haven't shared with, with Keith. This is in the current letter. Outside of the obvious. Such as, you know, you get fame, you get fortune, you get to play right. the victim. Right. And your dad was a serial killer. And your dad was a serial killer, so um, they, they, there's a market for that. You, you yeah. can make money off that. Okay, I, I understand the business aspect of that. Yes. But, here's the but. You still... You, you don't have to be an a-hole. Right. You exactly. Can, you can still market that without playing the boohoo victim. Right. Well, and also, I mean, because for if anybody listens to her podcast, I don't know if it's more than one episode, but there's at least one episode where she talks about 
him getting an attempted murder charge down in California. Yeah. <laughs> and that, you know, that he tried to kill this woman and her child or whatever, which he never had a child victim. Let's make that clear. Yes, very clear. Never he, had a child victim. So for those of you that aren't familiar with Keith Jesperson, I can't. I, I call him Keith, but anyway. Exactly. Um, because I, over writing and everything like that, we've actually become friends. Yes. Of, uh, of a sort. And uh, here's, here's yeah. how I am, before I even start my thing, with, with, with friends and what have not. If you're one of my friends, I'll call you out on your BS just as much as I'll, I'll give you a pat on the back. I'm just, I'm just that kind of a person. Any hoosies. Um, <laughs> Keith told me a story where I think that his daughter Melissa and his ex-wife were on the Oprah show. Okay. And uh, Melissa's sitting there, if I'm remembering it right, and if I'm wrong, then I apologize, but said, and then he killed my dog or strangled it or something like that. And his... Oh, yeah, I've heard that story. And his, his ex-wife looked over and said, what are you talking about? You never had a dog. Yeah, because I've heard this story many times about how he killed the dog and she went out there and he was, you know, he was looking down on it proudly and she went and got her mom and her mom came out and all this other stuff. But then, yeah, I've heard about that, you know, that she was not allowed to have animals because he liked to, you know, harm oh, them. And I'm going to debunk that because him and I talked about that because that animal cruelty is something that's, that's close to my heart. Right. And I wanted to see past versus present type thing. He's only killed one animal outside of hunting. and that was, was that the one he killed to please his dad? No. Oh. No. It was a stray cat, a feral cat, that wouldn't leave a trailer that he owned alone, a, a place to live, a type of a trailer, like a mobile right. home, alone, and he was fixing it, fixing it up, and uh, he ended up killing that cat. Oh, okay. And I think it was by accident, but I can't, I, I don't want to say that yeah. for sure. He goes, yeah, people say, you know, because, hey, that's that's part of being a serial killer, right, is we torture animals. I've heard the stories. I've never tortured or killed animals outside yeah. of, you know, hunting, like pheasant hunting, deer hunting, elk hunting, that type of thing. Okay. It was funny because him and I hunted have hunted in the same areas around the Pacific Northwest. Wow. Yeah, not, I don't hunt for people. I, I mean, like deer. Uh-huh. Okay, well, that there was that one time at band camp. You don't, but... you don't hunt lizards. <laughs> no. Sorry, that was a I, private I got, joke. I, I got one across from me, one on the couch. That you know, that was a private joke, but <laughs> you know, lizards. Yeah, gotcha. Uh, but anyways, yeah. So anyways, how um, he supposedly picked up this woman and her child, and they got into an argument. He tried to kill her and everything, and he was in jail. Well, the story is, is that this woman tried to accuse him of rape, from my understanding. I'll have to go back and read the letter. But um, when he went down to jail, he wasn't in jail for even overnight. And if he would have been charged back then for the attempted murder that they say he tried to commit, he wouldn't have ever committed the happy face crimes because he would have been exported back to or deported back to Canada. Well, exactly. Plus, uh, several of the law enforcement agencies, according to him, that that contacted him, yeah, were sitting there saying, "Well, we think you've killed this person or that person," and it's about proving that he was there. Because, man, I'm on logbooks. You know that. Yeah, precisely. As, as a, so, when, when he was truck driving, you had to fill out a physical logbook. But still, even without that logbook, you have things like fuel, right? When you cross a way station. Where they, you know, the federal way, a way scale, 
things like that. And that's how they track you. So, for example, if if I was to say that that Tammy killed somebody in Fort Lauderdale, Florida today and today's actual day because we record ahead of time is uh, September 25th. Right. But she fueled in, let's say, Chicago. Yeah. Today. There's no way I could have made it to Fort Lauderdale. Yeah, even if she lied on her logbook and said that she, you know, fueled three hours ago or five hours ahead of time. There's no way that she's going to be in Fort Lauderdale, Florida, because we can track that. We can say fuel receipt. Now, today's a little bit different because now, like in trucks, we track every movement. True. And it's real time. So that makes it a little bit more accurate. So in, in a case today, right? Um, you know, where we're on digital logbooks, if somebody said, well, we think you killed somebody in Fort Lauderdale, Florida, we can pull that up. Um, no, <laughs> I don't know how they did that. Yeah, because cause they have all GPS. and Their truck was going 65 miles an hour through Illinois at 10 o'clock in the morning. And this is exactly where he was when you say he committed the murder because the GPS tracking on trucks nowadays is like it's spot, spot on. on. Yeah, it's spot on. Down to the exact longitude and latitude. Yeah. Yeah, oh, exactly. I just knocked my glasses off my face. Oh, well, that's not good. Well, I went to go scratch my eye because my allergies and... The eyes have it. But yeah, so, I mean, yeah, because I think a lot of what we're trying to do is to debunk the media reports. And that's what I'm finding with a lot of media and when it comes to a lot of the killers that we research is that mm-hmm. there's, there's three sides of the story, much like everything else. There's the media side. There's yes. a killer side, and somewhere in the middle... It's the truth. It's the truth. Mm-hmm. And that's what I'm getting at. I feel that so far, I would say that Keith has been probably 90 95% honest. Yes. I think that there's some embellishments in there, some bullshit. Of course. But I don't think it's an exuberant amount. And you know what the weird thing is? is When it comes to his embellishments, I don't think it's about his crimes. No. I think it's about his life in general. <laughs> <laughs> True. I it, mean, it was great. You know, and honestly, I, I, I promised him that I would come see him once a month. Mm-hmm. But if I can eke out some time, I would like to see him at least twice a month. But only because I really, really enjoyed the conversation. Yeah. Well, because it wasn't all about his crime. It was about his life in general and getting the truth about his life out there. Because, you know, that's one of the things we try to focus on, too, is their life. Prior to them committing their crimes. And this was a hardworking guy, by the way. Not Very just hard, hardworking. Not just hardworking when it comes to killing, but... No, he had a strong work ethic. Very good work ethic. And we all know if, you, if you're a constant listener, um, then you know how I feel about work ethic. Yes. So I, I, I got I to give a shout out to a couple of people real fast. So when I first... I've never been in, inside of this prison before. Okay. I've never been. In, I've actually been inside a cell in OSP before. I know. You, hey, you know what I gotta say? See my hand? Negative female. Actually, inmate. that's an affirmative female inmate because oh, I was there in the flood of '96. So I didn't know because things change and things like that. I didn't mm-hmm. know the process. So I show up in my business clothes. Yes, I've got my tie on. I've got my slacks. Um, I'm looking good. In the my hood sunglasses. Because I forgot my regular glasses. This is great. So I'm standing at the end of the, end of the line. Like seven women turn around and look dead at me. So I'm not saying anything. I'm just standing there. And they keep looking. 
Then I went, yes, I know. I stand out. And they were, yeah, kind of. And I said, actually, you guys look like you come here a lot. Let me ask you some, what's the process of getting in and out? Oh, we thought that you were a cop. No, I'm not a cop. (laughs) Yeah. No. So bottom line is, I get to talking to the girls. I'm up at the front of the line. I get in. We check in, all that stuff. Everything's really good. I met two amazing girls that are are a couple. Okay. Um, uh, Ty and uh, uh, and Misty, and uh, and I made sure to leave business cards on their windshield because as I'm leaving, Ty came up and said, "Leave me some business cards so I can find your podcast." Okay, and I said, "Yeah, no problem." These. Why were... does she sound like your daughter? Because every girl sounds like that. Dawn sounds like that. You sound well. You sound like her, but um, you know Cheryl. She no. Cheryl no, doesn't sound no, like that. No, she does not. <laughs> No, that's that's true. There, there, there's a few people who get different voices because, like, if I'm doing Cheryl, then I get the morning, Scott. <laughs> the chicken in the morning goes cockle doo doo. Bye, and walks away. Um, and then if I'm and doing that's you, that's a true story. No, that's actually actually she said the rooster in the morning goes cockle doo doo, and then she just walks away. <laughs> she vanishes. Now I'm looking around, going, "Oh, what the hell was that about? <laughs> it's three a.m." <laughs> Why, 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 why are you even alive at this hour? Scott the hell I think she has an alarm that tells her when you're outside. Scott's getting ready for work. It was great. Anywho, these um, really great girls, funny as hell. Um, and so we've been texting back and forth. So a, a, a shout out to them, man. They, they, they were amazing. They actually uh, really helped me know how to get in and out and around. Navigate and, the system? Yeah, and it's... It, it, because my problem with going into any place I don't know is I organize a plan of attack in my head every time. Yeah. And not knowing what goes on there. And the guards were amazing. I, I will say that. Every guard in there that I came in contact with was just really good really yeah. good people, man. Yeah. Well, I told you, even as a former felon, is that I was never disrespected by any law enforcement officials except for one but then he disrespected everybody um yeah affirmative (laughs) female inmate anyways (laughs) but yeah so it's like and then so i of course gave that same respect you know what i mean that makes sense yeah and it's like as as a i can't really say reward for that but as a product of that respect, I was able to get one of the best cush jobs in the facility. I was able to do a lot. I had a lot more freedoms in the facility, you know. So there, there's something to be said about that. And a lot of us, I mean, a lot of felons and stuff do look at law enforcement like, oh, they're the bad guy. But really, they're just doing their job. Unless you're Vancouver PD. If you're Vancouver PD, well, you're just going like above and beyond. Within be the DOC, but not. <laughs> that's what I meant. You know what's going to happen is somebody from the Vancouver PD is going to be listening to this, and they're eventually going to pull me over, and they're going to look at my license and go, huh, do you have a podcast? Well, yes, I do. I thought so. Out of the car, sir. I'm going to get tased. <laughs> well, well, now that the Queen's dead, we're not going to die when we go to England. So That's true. That is true. <laughs> God knows her son has his head up his butt. Well, yeah. I mean, we've talked bad about her many a times. <laughs> but, yeah, but um, yeah, it, it was a, it, just a fantastic. Uh, and the, 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 there was so much information just about his life and uh, mm-hmm. uh, and, and different 
different things like that. Um, like, for example, like the, the girl he uh, tied to the bottom of his truck. Oh, yeah. And that is a true story, by the that way. That is a true story. Um, that actually happened in Nebraska, but he pled guilty to that crime in Wyoming. Right. Now, here's why. He did it without any fanfare, and he he's learned to, to navigate the media system so the media wasn't there. Um, because either way, he was going to go back to Oregon. To Oregon. Yes. So he, he took a plea bargain for life in prison. Yes. And he go, and they said, well, wait a minute. If it didn't happen here in Wyoming, why are you pleading guilty for it here? Because either way, I'm going to, you know, the, the, the crime happened. Right. So it's either going to be here or it's going to be Nebraska. And I just want to go back to, you know, Oregon. to Oregon. That, yeah. that, that's all I want to do. So he he waited it out, and apparently they spent over a hundred thousand bucks just transporting oh, yeah. him from here to there. Yeah, transporting him back and forth, and yeah, it's crazy. And then he did commit some crimes up here in Washington, so he had to navigate the Clark County system too. Correct, and that's actually where he started out was Clark County. Yeah, because he and this and people need to know too that the the reason why he was caught wasn't because of the notes he left and the things he wrote to the media it was because he killed his fiance or girlfriend or whatever and that he signed uh, as a witness on a uh, car purchase yeah he did sign as a witness on a car purchase with her yeah so i mean and i mean even some of the media reports said that was his biggest mistake oh exactly if he, if he hadn't know, done that he then killed close to home yeah, uh, well, if he hadn't assigned, <laughs> yeah, that's true too. Then I would have never met him today. Like he wouldn't be yeah. incarcerated. No, he would still be out there. You know, oh, totally taking advantage of his extracurricular activities. <laughs> I guess is the best way to put it. This is true. This is true. Yeah. So, but yeah, I think, like I said, I think that this is going to be more with him. It's going to be more than just one episode focusing on his crimes and what happened. Well, that's why I said I'm. Uh, th- this is called the Jesperson Report for a reason because it's going to every time I go visit him or I get letters back and forth. Mm-hmm. I did send him in the last letter, kind of establishing what I can and can't say on air, right? And what I can and can't say in the blog because, as I said before, the same deal that I've I made with Patrick Kearney. And with uh, uh, Ward Weaver Junior. Jr., who's in San Quentin, right? Um, and others is I. I'm not gonna. I, I don't. I, I won't BS you. If, if if you don't want me to say something, then I'm not going to. Yeah. Yeah, and most of what we've been talking about is stuff that's in the media and debunking it. So exactly. Yeah. Which I know for a fact is Keith approved. <laughs> yeah, pretty much because you know, and he's always been about you know the truth. You know, he's always been about, you know, the truth is important yeah. because when you tell the truth, you don't have to remember what you said. This is true. And that's this exactly what he said in one of the letters. Yeah. And uh, honestly, and I'll, I'll tell you what I told Keith is that had he not been incarcerated, I think him and I actually could have been friends. Probably. He's, yeah. He's a nice dude, man. Yeah. Yeah. He's pretty stand up and, you know, pretty like you said, he's approachable. Very. Yeah, he said, I mean, he said that himself. I'm approachable. What cracks me up is like when I walked into the meeting room and it's a, it's a big open room. Yeah, big visiting room. Yeah. And it, it's very structured. So when you walk in, all the inmates are sitting down. They're not allowed to get up until it's their pee break, which is 
two and a half hours in or two hours in, they get a pee break where they can actually stand up and go use the bathroom. And I'm, I looked around and it was easy to identify. Like everybody else's head is at one level and then there's Keith. It's like, oh, the yeah. guy with the, yeah, it's like his head's t- almost like, I'm going to exaggerate. Like, Touching touch the, the ceiling, ceiling sitting, but, sitting down. <laughs> yeah. And it's like, oh, there's there's Keith. He's easy to freaking identify. So they're not allowed to stand up and greet their guests? No. Really? Nope, nope. And here's what I thought was cool, though, is that uh, there, there was a couple of things. This is why I love the guards there. Um, I, uh, I forgot my masks at home. And according to the rules, you have to wear a mask. Right. Okay, that's fine. They have masks there, but that's that's uh, besides the point. So I stopped off at a pilot truck stop. I had to get gas anyway. And I walked in, talked to them, and they gave me a mask. Cool. I never put my mask on once. Yeah. And uh, the guards didn't say anything. And Keith actually took his mask off, so it was an actual face-to-face. You're right, which is important. Which which was, because that way there, you know, I can look at body language. Uh, and it's easier for me to hear, because I'm, I'm deaf as hell. Yeah, we know. Yeah, oh yeah. I'm, and that's I mean, even, that's all jokes aside. We know. Yeah, yeah. That's all jokes aside. I'm actually deaf in my in my uh, right ear and then my left ear because I never protect it. Being a musician is eh, not the best. Yeah. But um, it, 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 was, it was that. It was just everybody was so cotton-picking nice. Mm-hmm. Oh, and I forgot my regular glasses my, that have my bifocals oh, in them. Oh, yeah. So I had my sunglasses, and the, the first guard goes, well, that might be a problem when you get into the room. Let me call ahead for you because of prescription. And you know what? Nobody said a damn thing about it. Yeah. Yeah. No, it, I mean, because, I mean, that's really weird that they're not allowed to stand up and greet their visitors because when I was, but then it could be because of the whole COVID thing, too. I don't know. But when I was in there, it's like our visitors were actually sitting oh, down no, first. No, you know let, let me take that back because Keith did. Keith did stand up. And shake your hand? And shook, and, and shook my hand. Okay. Yeah, because I was going to say, when we had visits, it's like our visitors were actually in the room first, sitting at wherever they sat, yeah, usually a table or chairs. That's exactly what happened with me. Yeah. And then, yeah, so and then so when the visitor, when we would go in as a prisoner, our visitors were already there, so we would greet them that way. So they were, I mean, it's not like we were sitting there waiting for our visitors to come in. It was the opposite way. Yeah. Yeah. Well, the uh, the inmates were all sitting down. Yeah. And then Keith got up, and like I said, I kept looking up and looking up and looking up. Even when you were sitting down, I was looking up. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he's a big guy, big guy. I wonder if he like in comparison to Edmund Kemper, because people who don't know Edmund Kemper is a big guy too, huge guy. Okay, I'm gonna be childish. If those two were in a fight, I take Keith. You know, I, I probably would too because a Edmund Keith. Kemper's so old and blind. But <laughs> Keith is just a well-made yeah. giant of a man. Well, and it's like I can't, but at the same time, his crimes aside, I can't picture him fighting another dude. You know what I mean? Oh, I can. Really? Oh, yeah. Because I don't imagine him as a confrontational type of person. And not super confrontational, but I, I'm i pretty sure that he would oh, stand he would, his he ground. Oh, he would throw down and stand his ground, yeah. Yeah. But, I mean, as far as fighting goes in the facility, I just can't see him doing something like no, that. No, not in the facility. I, he, he minds his own business and just kind of yeah. does his own thing. Yeah, he talked about that, too, about how, <laughs> you know, that, A, he's very approachable, but... 
people know that he's not going to, like, exploit them. Right. Exactly. You know? Exactly. You know, um, it was, like I said, it was, it was a great experience. And I can't, honestly, I, I wish I could go back today. Yeah. And hang out with him and, and just talk to him. But I, we've got too many things to do today. <laughs> Way too yeah, many. Yeah, and I don't think you can visit that many times in one week. I think you have to at least a week in between. Yeah, well, I can't even for the, yeah. probably not, not the next couple of weeks because I just... We got a uh, we got the show coming up on oh, October fifteenth. That's, right. that's the day I'm supposed to be moving into my new place. Yeah, though. I know. So we got media packages together for that. Um, there's just you know we got a lot going on. We're setting up a recording type studio for uh, for Matt, my bass player, right? Because him and I are doing a lot of the songwriting now, right? Which is good to have a nice little partner in that. Um, so there's a matter of training him on how to use the software, right? And uh, there's just, there's so much going on. I just, but uh, God dang, it was awesome. And here's the beautiful part, boys and girls, is that Keith has so far agreed to do a phone interview. And we're working out everything to get that phone interview so we can put it uh, on the podcast. Yeah, on the air. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it's, God, I'm, I'm just excited. Yeah. Well, because, and, and this is the weird thing, too, of all of them that we've written, he's been the most receptive. Oh, yeah. And you know what? I, I, I got to give him credit for so many things. A lot of them that we write, not all, but a lot, are pompous asses when they first start out. Oh, yeah. Take Weaver. Yeah. Oh, yeah. When Weaver's first, when, when War Weaver Jr., now, there's two Ward Weavers that, that y'all might be familiar with. There's War Weaver Jr., who's in San Quentin. Then there's his son, War Weaver the Third, which is up here. Which is up here. Two different weavers. Well, we're talking about Daddy. Yeah. His first letter was he was a pompous ass. Yeah, he was all about you know why should I help you know why should I even associate with you and blah blah blah. Yeah. Yeah, like he was bigger and better than everybody. Then that changed over time. Yes. Because then he he I think he reread the letters and said, hey, you know what? These guys aren't dicks. Yeah. Let's let's work with them. Yeah. So we were A-OK after that. But but Keith, right out the gate, has been nothing but respectful. Yes. Nice. Very informative. And informative. Yes. Like, and when you're talking serial killers, as far as notoriety and infamacy. Oh, yeah. Keith is way up there compared to Weaver. Like, what? Yeah, because nobody... And I, I hate to stress, nobody really knows that Ward Weaver III had a dad, has a dad in, on death row in California. Yeah, no, and, and that's true. Yeah. So I just, I, I find that interesting. And like I said, Keith is just, it's, I'm, I, I'm excited to get to work with him. Yeah. It's, it's going to be a good time. Also, I'm, I want to post a picture on the blog because I took pictures of me actually wearing my tie, which has little skulls on it. And that's a big thanks to our uh, to to our tech guy John Looney. He uh, he got, I I saw his tie and he actually gave uh, gave me a copy of his. Oh okay. I like that little skull tie. It's very 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 appropriate. Very. <laughs> you want to add anything, or are we going to wrap this one? No, up? we can wrap this one up. All right, this right here is not just brutal nation, but it's the Jesperson Report. Remember, number one. <laughs> number one. First visit. 
Remember, you can send us an email at BrutalNation at TwistedBlueLLC.com. Check out the website at www.TwistedBlueLLC.com. It also has information on uh, the Twisted Blue Band and where we're going to be playing next and all kinds of juicy little tidbits. Tidbits? Uh-huh. This show's copyrighted 2022 by Twisted Blue LLC. All rights are reserved. If you're hearing any part of this on anybody else's podcast and they are lying, thieving bastards, go kick them in the ball sack. Andre de Balzac. <laughs> Andre de Balzac. Andre, yes. Oh, my God. Uh, copyrighted 2022. Yeah, that's, that's, that's about it. We will see you guys later on. Bye-bye. Bye, everybody.